Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot, fast, and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. <laughs> Ronananian. It's an $800 EVAP canister or some ridiculous amount of money, and you have to pull down the rear suspension to get to it. It's quite the job. It's not, you know, why would they make it two bolts out in front where you could just go zip, zip, and you're done? Nah. Patience, I'm telling myself. Patience is the key. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The car doctor. Do you know the difference between the black and the white zip ties? No, not really. The black ones are supposed to be weatherproof. I, oh, okay. I never knew that. I No, you I, would think they'd both be the same. Right. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I want to tell you why electric vehicles probably won't make it as a concept in this country. And I want to tell it to you this way, because I think this is probably one of the key things down in the bottom of my heart that I, you know, everybody's got to believe in something. And I really think this is going to affect it. Miguel came to the shop this week. Miguel's a new customer. First time we're seeing him. And he had a 2008 Chevy Silverado pickup truck. Had a multitude of codes. It had a slew of problems among which were codes in three specific areas, fuel trim, O2 sensor, and EVAP. I mean, I counted them. There were 17 codes in this truck. Some of them were current. Some of them were history. There had been repair attempts. The most recent repair attempt was by the thieves up the highway that are running an exhaust shop that were trying to fix it. 
that charged them $2,000 for a catalytic converter that did nothing to fix the truck or solve the problem. When I tell you what they did, you're going to go up there and arrest them. So let me back up a second. It still just gets me fired up when I see stupidity and thievery like this. And this is what's wrong with the industry. They, they diagnosed catalytic converter efficiency faults to that of bad catalytic converters. Okay, I understand that. And in, in all likelihood, in all probability, it was. But my concern was now it had, and I don't know if these were pre-existing to the CAT issue or they were just a continuation of original code because I sort of came into this third step. So I started to diagnose. I started to diagnose against known faults and pattern failures and you know what do i always tell you tell me what's good i'll tell you what's bad so i went through my usual you know myriad of of testing and and diagnostics and one of the things i always like to do when i'm dealing with fuel trim is i will graph all four oxygen sensors let me tell you what an oxygen sensor is you hear everybody throw the word around like it's dime candy used to be penny candy but inflation's raised it up An oxygen sensor is a voltage-producing device. Zero to one volts for terms of our conversation here in all practicality and simplicity. If there is an excess of oxygen, the fuel system is running lean, it produces a low voltage. If there is an absence of oxygen, the fuel system is running a little richer and it produces a high voltage. Zero to one volt is typically where it is. So you will graph the four sensors and look for response. The upstream O2 or the the oxygen sensors before the cats should be switching, should be going from high to low, high to low over a certain time period. And the ones after the cat, if the catalytic converters are doing their job, should be stuck relatively high. You'll typically see them 0.6, 0.7 tenths of a volt. And you know you've got operational functional cats. You've got operational functional O2 sensors, and the system is happy. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Miguel's truck, the left side, looked normal. The, the upstream O2 was switching high to low. The downstream O2 was stuck high. I said, hey, no problem there. The right side, both sensors were just about flatlined. They were, you know, barely, I mean, barely just kicking their head up above two-tenths of a volt. And I'm saying, how can I have two bad sensors on one side, not the other, But yet, and fuel trim was reflecting this. Fuel trim was a little crazy. Right side was showing me different numbers than left, but I'm saying all four sensors are newer, newer. What's going on here? And I kind of had to also deal with the fact that the exhaust manifolds on both sides, like typical GM, giant mistakes, fashion GM, the exhaust manifold bolts had popped off the heads of the bolts popped off at the end of the manifold the head of the bolts popped off at the front of the manifold and he had exhaust leaks so he's drawing in extra oxygen right because it's it's oxygen getting into the exhaust system which will skew or mislead the o2 sensor readings because it's not accounted for by the mass airflow sensor as it comes into the engine and is that the problem? Do I have a bigger... But yet I've got exhaust leaks, same, you know, both manifolds are, appear to be leaking at the same rate. So why is one side so drastically different than the other? And I put it up in the air and I'm looking, am I missing something? Do I have sensors plugged in the wrong way? Do I have wrong sensors? What do they appear to look like? And I looked at it and then I got it and I got it real quick. If you ever look at an oxygen sensor, an oxygen sensor kind of looks like a spark plug. 
There's the top portion with the wires coming out that connect to the computer and the harness. And then there's the threaded portion where it threads into the threads of the pipe or the bung, as we call it. All right. And then there's the portion of the O2 sensor that sticks out down below the threaded area so that it can, as exhaust passes through the pipe, the exhaust passes through the sensor and it'll provide a voltage reading. The left side was normal. The left side, the the depth or the amount of height of the bung was normal. It was it was eh, about a quarter of an inch. It was the size of the threads of an O2 sensor. The right side was almost three quarters of an inch or higher, maybe closer to seven eighths. I measured it. And I said, how can that be? And I, how can they expect this to work? Because now the oxygen sensor, the the sensor portion of the sensor is not in the exhaust stream. The sensor portion of the sensor is buried up in the in, in the bung of the pipe. No wonder the readings are flatlined on the right side. The, the, the sensors are working. They're showing no oxygen because no oxygen or exhaust can pass through them to generate any kind of accurate voltage signal. So I talked to Miguel. I explained everything I had found, and I showed him what I showed him. And he got underneath and he kind of nodded his head and he said, okay, that makes sense. He said, and then he referenced something about how since they made the pipe. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean since they made the pipe? Well, they made made this catalytic converter for me. They didn't want to get one from the factory. And in all fairness, the one from GM is on back order. You could find them. I tried. You can get them. You can do something called spat case, special handling, make it a priority, and the dealer will sell it to you at a 10 to 15% markup over price. But at least you'll get the factory pipe or the right pipe. But good Lord, if you're going to make one, can't you make it right? You made the left side correctly. The right side was completely wrong. And then to top it off, I, I said to him, I said, Miguel, you got to go back. I said, you've got to ask them to you know, replace the bung. And he says, Ron, I've tried three, maybe four times. He says, they don't want to know anything and they're happy they got paid. And then I asked the question, how much? Oh, two grand cash. <sighs> you know why electric cars aren't going to work right away, if at all, or to some level, or to the level that the government wants? Because here's something everybody has forgotten. The automotive aftermarket, the independent automotive aftermarket, does anybody have any idea where it spawned or where it came from? It was a necessity. It was created out of the, the forthcoming and the structure of World War II. There was no dealer network in the 40s. Auto repair shops were the blacksmiths in the late 1880s and the 1890s. And then as things turned to the teens and then as Henry Ford and everybody else invented the cars, the blacksmith shops became the shops that were now fixing the horseless carriage. And from there, their dealerships grew and continued to grow. During the war, independent automotive repair shops were really the cat's pajamas, if I can use that term appropriately, that... You know, it was the place to go. It was the place that could fix the car. It was the place that everyone could count on. Electric car technology right now, and I don't anticipate it getting any better, for what they claim to be a lot of reasons, isn't being released to the automotive aftermarket. It's very difficult and very expensive for an independent shop to learn about electric vehicles. And I think partly because of shops that service cars like they serviced Miguel's, 
it's going to be even more difficult because they don't want to learn. They don't want to understand what it takes to make a gas engine car run correctly. How do you expect them to want to learn? Where's the motivation to learn and understand how an electric vehicle operates properly? It just doesn't exist. There's no need. And everybody's come out with every cockamamie story under the sun in order to make a buck. Because it's more about fixing cars in my mind than making the buck. If you fix the car, you'll make the buck. They're doing it the other way around. They're trying to make the buck by fixing the car. Tom Ray had an experience this week, and I'm just going to tell this story real quick, and then we're going to go to break. Tom drove a 2010 Ford Escape. Tom Ray, my, my wonderful producer and chief engineer that I love to death that does such a great job for me every week. And he purchased a 2010 Ford Escape in 2010. And he drove it to about 210, 220,000 miles. And then his daughter, who was going to vet school that we're all so proud of, went to vet school three years ago. And Tom will correct me if I'm off on my time frame and lengths, but... You know, it's it's it was two and a half, three years ago. And she went to school in Massachusetts up at Tufts, I believe. And she just graduated and the car had to go through inspection. So it had to come back to New York where Tom lives to get inspected. And it failed New York State inspection because the subframe underneath the engine, the front cradle, had a hole in it so big you could put your fist through it. And Tom called me on Wednesday or Thursday this week, and we talked about it. I said, you know, Tom, I said, if this is an inspection issue, the only way I know to, to, to legally and safely repair that vehicle is to put a subframe in it. I said, if this was just a matter of structural safety and concern, if there's something to weld it to, we could weld a patch in. But I don't think that's going to make the inspectors happy. Tom bought her a new car or helped her buy a new car. Or the kid got a new car or whatever happened. Th- that isn't the story. The story is, Tom told me afterwards, he said, you know, Ron, I feel really good about this because we replaced a vehicle that was so severely rusted and corroded underneath. And I said, why is that, Tom? He goes, well, think about where she went to school. She's she's three years in Massachusetts where you put down 40 tons of calcium chloride for every one drop of snowflake that hits the ground. And immediately my mind went to, what will that do to an electric vehicle? I wonder how electric vehicles are going to hold up in the rust belt is it not going to be the rust belt is it going to be the corrosion belt are we going to rot electric cars right off the frame you wonder what they're going to do of course the bottom line becomes none of us know the answer to any of this any of these questions because they're not telling us like they're not telling independent repair shops how to fix cars or electric vehicles and that's going to be the downfall they're keeping this so close to the chest in my opinion haven't seen anything yet that what are they going to do? Wait until two weeks before 2035 and then go, okay, here's all the information you need to know. Repairing gasoline engine vehicles was a process. It took a long time for the automotive aftermarket to learn how to do it. They've got to be able to afford it. They've got to be able to make business at it. And they've got to be able to service it in order for you, the consumer, to get your vehicle out on the road because there's no way the dealer network can handle it all. I'm Ron Anany in the car doctor. I'll be back right after this for your thoughts and your phone calls. Don't go away. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. 
like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Keep Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Hey, let's get over to uh, Roy in Massachusetts. Roy, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You're welcome. What's going on? Uh, I got a, I got a 09 Honda CRV that the last month or so I've been having intermittent starter issues with it. It would start great, and when I go downtown and shut it off and maybe once or twice a week would i turn the key nothing would happen the lights would all come in on and but then when i wait a few minutes it would start up okay. and there was a few times when that happened where it would crank over and it, 
would crank, then it would completely stop like the battery was dead. But I got a brand new battery in there. I just put it in last month because I thought that was the issue. But the other day, yesterday, there was nothing. I had to get told. So I think it's the starter because it's making like a clicking sound down by the starter. Even a tow truck driver thought thinks it's the starter too. Yeah, it so pl- I'm it, hearing a click. If if the starter is clicking, so the way this works is it comes out of the it comes out of the ignition switch, and the fact that the dashboard lights up and all the normal lights are there gives you a pretty good shot that the ignition switch itself is turning everything on like it's supposed to. The next stop for the signal is it goes out to a starter relay in the underhood fuse box in the left side of the uh, engine compartment, and that then closes and then sends a signal down. They draw a higher amperage than what they want to run through the ignition switch. That then sends a signal down to the starter solenoid to engage the solenoid to crank the engine over. As long as, all right, and let's do this by, let's look at what's good, okay? Good, clean connection at the battery terminals, both. You may want a voltage drop test them, put a, put a meter across them and see if you've got anybody taking a detour. And as long as you don't, as long as you've got a good, clean connection and acceptable voltage drop, then your cable connections are good. Check the ground cable where it attaches to the transmission. There's a little 10-millimeter bolt. You'll see the end of the ground cable is just copper frayed, or it looks copper frayed by now. It's 12 years old. Just make sure that that is in good condition and not down to one strand of wire so that we don't have some strange ground cable connection issue. And as long as that's good... Where is that located? That's going to be on the end of the trans. If you follow the ground cable, come off the negative battery post, follow it down, all right? That should have a... That ground should terminate either on the engine block. I believe it actually terminates on the transmission. There's an ear... That's gonna uh, that it's gonna bolt to. You'll see the negative cable just go, and you'll you'll understand what I'm saying when you see the cable. The cable end, yeah. um, they don't they don't wrap the whole cable in some kind of insulation. The last three inches just seems to be exposed out into atmosphere, which kind of blows my mind every time I see it because I think about all the cars that drive around in high salt states like Massachusetts and Vermont and New Hampshire and uh, other places, and I say, how do these cables hold up over time? Just remember, these are the guys designing the electric cars, so you can't you just wait 15 years. I hope it fast forwards. So. So, you know, just make sure that's a good, clean, solid connection there. If that cable connection is good, voltage drop test it. You've got good, clean connections at the battery cables, all right? If the starter solenoid or you hear the starter go click, chances are you've got a bad starter. I agree with that assessment, all right? Just Because yeah, I took off the battery cables the other day and cleaned them very good and okay. put them back on. And- okay, okay. Then, so I know that. Yeah. Just then then we've got a choice. It's either it's gonna either be the cable connection for ground or the cable connection for positive or the starter itself. Is it the original starter, do you know, Roy? Yes, because it, I got it from my sister. It's she bought it brand new. Okay, and how many miles were on the car? Re- about hundred and seventeen thousand. Yeah, it's time. It's time. Listen, you know, there there comes yeah. a there comes a point in the life of a car where we have to think about replacing things based on age so that we replace them based on our comfort level and not the car's surprise you know that's just that's just really the key so get out online get out to oreillyauto.com go look at and my preferred choice of brand would be a denso if you can find a denso starter for it it's not an easy job to do if you're going to tackle it yourself Uh, You've got to get it up in the air as high as you can to work to pull things down. But see what O'ReillyAuto.com has for you. Pick out a Denso, and, uh, you know, it's nuts and bolts. It just takes some time and maneuvering. Good luck to you, Roy. Let me know what happens next. I'm Ron Anini and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using oh. fabric softener. Oh. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cotto Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Let's cruise on over to Linda in North Carolina and see what's going on here. Ron and Annie, and at your service, Linda, how can I help? Okay, uh, I just need to know what the problem is with my car, what I need to do. Okay. The key fob and the key will not open. It's locked in the garage. Okay. And no one has an answer for me. So, so just tell me, what do you have? You have keyless entry with no key in the door? Yes. Yes, okay. we have a key phone that opened it. Okay, there has to be a, a lock cylinder somewhere in that car. I've never seen one where it's where there is no lock cylinder. If you look at the door handle, 
Is there a little tab at the end that looks like it flicks off? Is there a key in the fob? Is there a release button that if you release it, a small cylinder-like key or a small key, thin key, pops out the end? No. You're sure? No. No. Okay. And the reason, the, reason I say, uh, no. the reason I say that is if this car had a dead battery, all right, just think about this for a second. If this car had a dead battery and you couldn't get the hood up, how would you open the door? That's that's my problem. We don't even know if the battery is dead. Right. I hadn't used the car for about a month. Right. There 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 it's has there the has to be a way to, to open that door manually. There has to be a key in this in this vehicle. Has to be. I've never seen a car not have it. They they they, they the Mazda would be hung out to dry if they created cars like this. Has to have now. Where I'm sorry, I don't quite understand. I okay. mean, there's a key with my key fob, and then I have a regular key that I've also tried. Right. So you have you have a regular traditional metal key, correct? Yes. You just yes. can't. You just but, can't find a place to put it. Uh well, uh, the the keyhole in the door. We we pull the little lead lever up and i've tried that and it won't open it won't it'll turn like it always did turn to the right but the door doesn't open okay so in other words you the, the, you feel the door is mechanically unlocked right but you pull the I handle you pull the handle and the door does not open oh no uh-uh, no it's okay. totally locked you can't get into it can't look under the hood can't, okay if we don't you well know, we don't need to get under the hood as long as we have we have we have a mechanical key you, you're telling me now you have a mechanical key correct well i have a key and, and a thing i press it always open the door right forget that for a second not forget not that not for, attached to key linda listen to me a second do you have okay. you have a traditional metal key Yes. Okay. You can put that in the keyhole in the door, turn it, but yes. the, the door, but it and then pull on the handle, and the door still does not open. Correct. Okay. If you turn it right or left, do, do you feel a change in resistance of the key turning? No. Is, it, is it tighter one no, way than the other? No, not really. It feels like it always did when I used the key in the door. Okay. You can feel it you know, turn. All right. Does any does unlock. does any other door have a key? Fo- have a key? A tr- no, no. No. Just one door. No. All right. Good design. Uh-huh. Great. De- great design, huh? Can't you wait to see when they come out electric cars <laughs> like this? So then, my next comment would be: If mechanically you can't unlock the door, this is all mechanical at this point, from what you're describing to me. You've you've got a mechanical condition that you can't. You're turning the lock cylinder. Can you? Can someone watch? From the other side and look at the driver's door with a flashlight. Is there a doorknob on this car? Is there a is there a lock knob that goes up and down, or is it a slide mechanism? Do you know? No, it's a, there is a doorknob. Does it go up and down when you turn the key? No, not that that I have seen, but I okay. could swear to that. So then we have to assume, which is a dangerous word on family radio, that if the doorknob isn't going up and down when you turn the key. Either the latch mechanism is broken so that it can't unlock, or the linkage from the lock cylinder to the latch is disconnected. Okay. So at that so, point, at that point, you would need a locksmith 
with some Slim Jim tools to come out and pop the door down between the glass like traditionally they used to do. That's the uh, only, okay. that, that's, that's the only other thought I've got. All right. Has the car been sitting any length of time? About a month. I'll usually, I'll, it, I have two cars, so it's my second car, and I start it every couple weeks. Right. But it has not been driven, but it's been started about two weeks prior to this problem. Okay. Now when it has you, almost new battery. Now when you when you left it the last time, is the car sitting in a garage or is it outside? It's in the garage. Okay. Do you recall if you left it locked or unlocked? Locked. You locked, I locked it. it. You locked it in the yeah. garage. Okay. I'm yeah. just you know, I'm just wondering my, my biggest thing is when you turn the key. Do you feel it, you know, and you should know what the latch feels like when it's it's like when you unlock the front door to the house, right? There's a there's a doorknob, there's a lock on the front latch to the house, I'm sure. One way it turns it turns, it's this much effort to turn it. The other way it's that much effort to turn it. If you're seeing if you're feeling it like it's normal, I have to think the linkage is disconnected or the latch is stuck. And yes, it feels normal, like it, it would open, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Then, you know, perhaps perhaps the door is stuck. Maybe it's more of a tug. I'm not telling somebody to rip the handle off the door, but um, maybe it just needs a little bit of a nudge, as my mother would say. Um, you know, short of that, it's got to be that the latch mechanism isn't releasing. The only other thing I would tell you to try is when you when you – Pull on the handle when you think the door lock is in the unlocked position. But wait, you said the doorknob doesn't go up and down. No, I don't think so, but I can't swear to that. Okay, check that. Because if the doorknob goes up and down, but you still can't open it, perhaps pulling the handle and pushing in on the door will cause it to release. Sometimes I've seen doors stick because seals swell, especially in heat. And as cars get older and the bodies tend to shift out of position a little bit, and if you push in on the door while you're pulling on the handle, the latch mechanism will pop, and that'll get the door open. And then at that point, somebody should pull the door panel off and lubricate and clean everything, and then watch the operation to make sure it doesn't happen again. All right. Okay, we can try that. All right, try that. And but I, I can also I, get a locksmith if that doesn't work. I that's think, no problem. Yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be your next step. But I think the key is, no pun intended, as you turn that as you turn that lock cylinder in the door. How does that feel in relationship to the pressure it should put on the latch assembly in order to get it to release? Call me back. Let me know what happens, I'm, Linda. I'm curious. I'll, I'll add one quick thing. Sure. I looked on the internet. There were three people who had with Mazda tributes who had the same problem and never found an answer. One of them ended up trashing it. No, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. You know what? If you don't, <laughs> well, if you don't, if you can't get into this and you don't get an answer, can you remember my email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com? Yeah, I'll write it down. Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Okay. Send me an email, and I'll do some research. I just need the 17-digit VIN of the vehicle. It'll be on the vehicle registration. Okay. That's, or on that's the, no problem. Or on the title. All right? There's always an answer, kiddo. Thank you, Thank you Ron. You're very Have welcome, good dear. good day, and I'll try what you said. You do. Thank you. All righty. You take good care. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Don't go away. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. 
like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royals. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. The Car Doctor as we uh, roll along here. You know, great question up on the Facebook page. The Car Doctor Facebook stream is up. Karsten writes in. He says he's talking about um, starter motors on uh, the start-stop vehicles as we're talking about starters today. And he says, how long do you think they'll last? And I wrote back. I said, you know, Karsten, I said they'll probably last longer judging by the price and demands put on them. But I can promise you this, they'll last at least until the warranty is up. The question is how much longer beyond that. I've got to think they've got to last a reasonable amount of time. But again, as I look at that and I look at the start-stop technology, the very first thought that comes through my mind, and we're all forgetting this, nobody is mentioning this, and I, I've got to tell you, I told Tom this week, I said, I'm starting to feel like I'm an outcast, like I'm the only guy talking about this. I don't need anybody else talking anything about this with electric cars. Is is I don't know if it's the oddity of it or the way it's just, it just seems like it's being accepted. People are just, okay, we'll get an electric vehicle. Not thinking about the consequences, not thinking about getting it serviced, not thinking about where's the electricity come from. And the hundred of things we've been talking about the past couple of months, you know, again, We're taking the means of owning a transportation device out of the hands of the average citizen. People are not going to be able to afford to operate vehicles. I don't know whether they're electric, gas, hydrogen, hot air balloon, whatever it is, but people aren't going to be able to afford it. 
it's just it's just reaching a limit of you know okay what do you want to try now bring back the horse um wait till that happens so anyway let's go over to bill in mexico new mexico i'm sorry oh one silverado bill welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help hi ron thank you for taking my call um actually i'm i'm from wisconsin and i had to take a road trip down here and uh 1400 miles and my truck i mean it ran you know ran great perfectly but i noticed um along the way there was some road construction so i had to stop at one point with the vehicle idling put it in park and the fuel gauge started jumping around between half and three quarters full um just going down the road with it running the gauge reads accurately to what the level is, but when I put it in park with the engine idling, gauge jumps around, and I'm wondering if that is an indication of potential fuel pump failure. Does the vehicle run normal, Bill? Any any changes in the yep, way the vehicle runs, runs normal, right? Runs normal, starts right up, no hiccups. Any check engine light on? No. Okay. It's, it, it could be the beginnings of a bad fuel pump sender, not the pump itself, but the okay. sending unit attached to the pump. Does the gauge swing down right. to empty and change too fast to be real? Um, no, it's just kind of oscillations between, well, at that one point when I noticed when, when I was stopped on the highway there, it would just go between full and three quarters, and it kind of just jumped back and forth. Okay. As soon as you put it in gear, and it, it would go away. We put it in park and it would start doing that again. Only when you put it in, only it would only change and oscillate difference between park and drive. Correct. Did you put it in reverse? Does reverse change anything? Uh, that I did not try. I didn't want to scare the person behind me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, just sitting still. Uh, but you're saying you're saying uh-huh. it only happens while you're moving, going down the road. No, no, it only. Going down the road, it's steady. It reads accurate. It's just like when you come to a stop, um, put it in gear, or put it in park, rather, with the engine running, and it just oscillates back and forth. But it's not like huge swings. It's maybe in between the the quarter increments on the gauge between, say, half and half and three quarters or three quarters in full. It just moves that little distance back if, and if, forth. If you were sitting there for 10 minutes... And it was in park, and the engine was idling. Would it continue to do that, or does it eventually level out? Um, at that point, it was continuing to do it. Okay, you know what I was thinking about is you were traveling from Wisconsin to New Mexico. Any rough roads? Could the baffling? You know, there's a there's a baffle plate or an anti slosh plate inside the tank. I'm wondering if it broke loose inside the tank or it's creating a problem controlling the fuel so the fuel doesn't slosh because it doesn't sound like you actually have a a um ascending unit failing it sounds like almost like it's reading the 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 slosh movement inside the tank so it would okay. be interesting if you started the truck up after it sat overnight if you started the truck up and sat there in park does the gauge oscillate and move in park yes because i drove it this morning and i sat in the driveway and just let it idle and it started doing that and oscillating a little bit um, so as I put it in gear, it, it, it's steady. Okay. Then you've got to, number one, I'd scan it for codes. Do you have the beginnings of, do you have the beginnings of a P0463 fuel level sender issue? 
number one. Number two, do you have an erratic reading? I would want to look and see what data stream is via scan tool. What is the computer seeing? If the computer is seeing a steady gauge reading while the dashboard is oscillating, then the problem is in the dashboard or the wiring leading up to, and it's not a sending unit issue. There are some, as complicated as that vehicle could be, Bill, it's still a basic fuel pump, still a basic sending unit type of operation. So you can go through some basics there and uh, do what you have to do. Um, You know, take it from that perspective and uh, get home, uh, get home safe and then have it diagnosed up there. If you can't get it, then down in New Mexico, give me a call back. Let me know how it turns out. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Christina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thurow Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Ron Anini, the Car Doctor here. Ron at CarDoctorShow.com is the email. By the way, get out and check out CarDoctorShow.com. CarDoctorShow.com, our new website is up and operating. Um, I've actually got a blog going there. I published our first story um, in a relationship. It's a story I wrote for New Jersey Automotive Magazine, one of the trades here in New Jersey, uh, about the auto repair business. I used to write a monthly column. I'd still be doing it, but I kind of, I got other things going on. I got, I told Tom. <laughs> That the other Tom. It's funny. I've always worked for a Tom or with a Tom, and um, uh, Tommy Greco there wants me to come back in the worst way. But Tom, I got to take some time off and keep doing radio. It's the big deal right now. 
Um, but in any event, there's a interesting story there. I thought it was timely uh, going back, talking about you know what it's like to be in the repair shop business and how things have evolved. You'll find that up there under Ron Speaks uh, on the CarDoctorShow.com website. A recent article published on TheHill.com. I thought The Hill was the restaurant I liked in close to New Jersey. That's another conversation. About the exact cost of owning an electric car versus a gas car. And I read this, and you're not going to believe it. The difference between operating an electric vehicle and a gas vehicle over the lifetime is $0.04 a mile. And the article continues. It says a $0.04 per mile difference might sound abysmal, but in the long haul, EVs are more economically friendly when it comes to having a lifetime vehicle. How is an EV going to be a lifetime vehicle with computers, modules, chips, and software updates that things change so fast we can't keep current car technology going? Look. My wife's 2018 Explorer, four times into the Ford dealer, four times Ford Motor Company can't fix it. And it continues on and on and on and on. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. Everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.